It's time to unleash the expert. What is he an expert on? Relationships, sex, spirituality, and rediscovering yourself beyond the trauma. Get ready to unleash more purpose, passion, and pleasure in your life. Here's the expert himself, Mr. Brandon Patrick. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. I appreciate you listening, especially early on. Really, really appreciate your support, and I hope that you're getting um, something out of every episode. I try to tackle hard topics and talk about things that really get you thinking. So that's my goal, and and I think today's topic is going to do that same thing. So to start, I want to just give a little bit of background. Um, considering the environment that I've been in for my whole life and the environment that I work in, I think I have a very unique perspective on this topic. And the topic I'd like to talk about is how certainty stifles spiritual growth and also harms relationships. Now, I know that's that's a lot of words right there. So think about it for a minute. What I just said was, when you believe in certainty, when you know, when you absolutely know that something is true, it can stifle your spiritual growth and progress, and it can actually make it difficult for you to have deeper, healthier relationships. So as you're listening to that, you might be thinking, I don't fully understand. And so I'm going to give you some examples and help you understand this principle, because I think that... um Taking a look at this can be hard because one, if you're stuck in certainty, you're really not going to like this episode. Uh, you're going to hate what I have to say because you already know. You, you already have it figured out. And I in no way am claiming that I have it all figured out. But I do believe that certainty makes it difficult to actually even look at things and be open to things. So I'm a therapist in Utah County, as you all know. I've been treating addiction. I've been treating couples who've experienced betrayal and just couples that experience friction and difficulty in their relationships. And one of the things that comes up all the time is when one partner starts to um, expand in terms of what they believe, uh, their faith that starts to change, their um, belief in God starts to shift and the other partner feels threatened by that and doesn't like that. So what happens is, at least here in the Mormon culture, uh, most people get married at a pretty young age. And so early 20s, you get into this marriage, you get married in the temple. So the church is very involved in the marriage ceremony and you have to adhere to certain beliefs to get married in that temple. So coming into the marriage, there's already an understanding that, hey, you believe what I believe. We believe this together, and we believe the same things. And those things are very laid out for us. We believe certain things about God. We believe certain things about family. And we believe that we live our life a certain way. And so if I am worthy enough to get in the temple with you, then it's kind of an unwritten rule that we believe these things. So we're getting married in this temple because we're going to live this way our entire life. 
And that's early on in your life. That's your, your early 20s, maybe, um, that, that you're getting into this relationship. And guess what? You still have a lot of development to do as a human being. And as you progress in your life, you might not believe the exact same thing that you believed when you were in your early 20s. But guess what? Now you're in a relationship. You're in a relationship with another person who has their beliefs and their expectations about your beliefs because your beliefs affect them. And so if your beliefs affect them, then your doubts, your searching, your growth, your expansion, we can, we can call it your faith crisis, um, it becomes a threat. Um, and we think about faith crisis completely wrong. How it's looked at a lot of times is if I'm a member of a church and I was raised that way and I grow up and I start to question that church, then I'm having a faith crisis. And I really don't like that word crisis because, yeah, it is a crisis in your life because everything that you've ever been taught might not be true and it creates this existential crisis. However, I believe it's more of a progress than it is a crisis that as you're learning and as you're growing and as you're questioning, as you're doubting, as you're finding truth, as those things start to happen, you're actually progressing forward. If you're just sitting back drinking all the Kool-Aid of everything that you should believe and everything that you've ever been taught and you don't question anything and you just go along with it, that's called blind faith. I don't even like putting the word faith in there because that's just called blind obedience. And what it isn't is you grappling and wrestling and learning and get to, getting to know God. And so when you get married at a young age, you kind of lock in at this. It's a stage three development with faith expansion. You lock in your marriage there, but the individuals don't always stay there. And usually they don't. So when you start getting into your 30s, when you start getting into your 40s, things start to shift, things start to change, which then starts to affect the relationship. And I've seen um, divorce happen as a result. I've seen relationships completely get torn apart um, and destroyed as a result. And it's all justified. You're the one who's fallen away. You're the one who's questioned things that you never should have questioned. Um, you're the bad one here because you don't believe like you should, because we already have it figured out. All of the answers about God, all, the, all of those things, we have it figured out, so what's wrong with you? Um, and that person who's expanding is saying, I don't, like, there, there's not a problem here. I'm actually expanding. I was uh, working just a couple weeks ago with a couple, and um, the, the husband said, I'm betraying my wife because I'm questioning the church. And I listened to that. I questioned him. How is that betraying your wife? 
I know, I know it sounds stupid. I know if you're listening to this and you're in a similar situation, then it's obvious why she feels that way. Um, she had certain expectations and now he's going outside of those expectations. But betrayal needs to happen. There needs to be dishonesty there with betrayal. And if he's just being honest about what he's feeling and how he's thinking and how he's experiencing God, it might be painful to her, but he's not betraying her. And it, the, the reason why it's looked at as betrayal is because when we're young, it, we say we make this commitment that we're always going to be this specific way no matter what. And that's really not fair. And it's really not reality um, for the way we are as human beings and the way we develop as spiritual human beings. Um, I, I I looked up the definition of faith, and faith is an interesting thing because there was two diff different definitions. Uh, one that I found said it was a strong belief in God. Another definition of faith that I found said that it's a belief in the doctrines of a religion. So if you think about that, those can actually contradict. And I, I you know, there's examples where they contradict, like Jesus Christ's ministry, for example. Um, there was religions during that time that were telling him that he needed to be a certain way. And Jesus Christ himself was saying, I'm about my father's business. Like, the, you know, I'm not going to adhere to the religion here. I'm going to preach the gospel. Um, I believe Christ was being faithful, but some would say that he wasn't. I know that sounds crazy to say Christ wasn't faithful, but some who believe that faith is a belief in the doctrines of a religion would say that Christ, is, Christ was not being faithful. Um, faith to me, there must be an element of vulnerability and an element of unknowing. So when we practice faith, it's not about being obedient to the things that are right there laid out in front of us all the time, no matter what. If I go to a religion and they say, we know exactly where you're going, we know exactly the nature of God, we know exactly all these things, then what work do I have to do? It's all figured out for me. So I can just sit back and I can have faith, that's in quotation marks, faith in this religion who gives it all to me. And I can just, you know, follow that, and that's easy. I'm not held accountable to my own learning and growth here because it's all served up on a silver platter for me already. Faith is not blind obedience, and faith is not certainty. Faith is stepping into the dark. Faith is not knowing where you're going to land. Faith in God is stepping forward when God asks you to, even when you don't know what's going to happen. There's prophets in the scriptures that had to preach uh, when people hated them for it, when people thought they were crazy and stupid. They practice courage. They practice faith. Courage is faith in action. So when we talk about faith, when we talk about faith crisis, 
um, in my mind, yes, you can have a crisis of faith if we're talking about faith being that belief in the doctrines of a church. Yes, you can have a faith crisis. I would say that I've had a faith crisis. Um, but you can experience a faith expansion by allowing yourself to actually have some doubts and actually wrestle with the nature of God. What is God? And if you don't allow yourself to fully have those doubts and fully have those feelings and step into that dark, I believe you're not going to actually expand. You're not going to actually discover it for yourself and find it. Now, some would say, well, you know, if you're, if you're righteous in a religion and you just are obedient, you'll feel good and you'll feel God. And I don't doubt that. I think you can feel God's love in any setting. But I'm talking about expansion. Will you learn? Will you grow? Unless you're willing to actually be open to all things. If you have this confirmation bias of one direction being true no matter what, then that learning will stop. I have a quote here. It says, uh, church is often the most risky place to be spiritually honest. Isn't that ironic? I'll read it one more time. Church is often the most risky place to be spiritually honest. Because at church, the church itself has it all figured out, and everybody there is supposed to go along with that, and nobody can speak contrary to anything but that. So if I'm feeling certain things, if certain things are going on inside of me, I better not show that because I'll get rejected, I'll get put in my place, and I'll get told that you better fall back in line. And I'll get judged. Uh-oh, what if I get judged? But think about that. If we're there to worship God at church, then why can't we be spiritually honest? Why can't we grapple together? Why can't we discuss together? And the reason we can't is because there's not an opportunity for real discussion about those doubts. Because it has to all come back to the thing that's already been prescribed. It's already there. So you can't have those discussions. We got another quote here. These are both by Peter Enns from his book, The Sin of Certainty. And he says, when knowing what you believe is, is the non-negotiable center of true faith, questions and critical self-examination pose a threat. So let that one sink in. When knowing what you believe is the non-negotiable center of true faith, Questions and critical self-examination pose a threat. When it's non-negotiable about what I believe, then then I don't like when people question. That's what I'm saying. Like, if 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 it's non-negotiable what you believe, you're not gonna like this podcast episode because I'm talking about actually being open to questions, actually being open to self-examination, actually being open to really being honest about your relationship with God and not just hiding behind, well, I follow this church, so therefore I'm good with God. That's it. 
That's it. We're, we're good. We're good because I do this, 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 and this every week, which I'm told to do at church. So therefore I'm good with God. Where are you in that equation? You're just following along. You're just going along. You're like a zealot. Versus I can take what I learn at church, at work, wherever I am, and every day I can connect to God and I can get to know God, get to know the nature of God through my life experiences and be very honest about my struggles, my imperfections, um, my doubts, and be very honest about the things that I don't know and the uncertainty that I do have. This really comes down to trusting God versus trusting a religion or trusting just like your, your own ability to try to make sense of this world. I think that faith is trusting God and knowing that God has a plan, but we don't know what it, what it is exactly. So because we don't know what it is exactly, um, acting in faith is stepping into it, the arena, and not knowing exactly all of the things. I don't know exactly what place in heaven or hell I'm going to go to when I die. I don't know exactly what God looks like. I don't know exactly the nature of God, masculine, feminine. I do know that God loves me. I do know that I'm connected to God. I do know that I'm here to learn and I'm here to grow. I know those things. But I don't know everything. And it comes back to trust. If I'm if if I don't trust God, then I need to rely on something else. And so I need to make sense of it. And so I'll rely on a religion to tell me all the answers because I'm scared of just trusting God completely. And so I can sit back and rely on a religion. Back to uh, getting back to relationships here. I've kind of gone off course here. When somebody, uh, really quickly, um, my good friend Tony Overbay, um, I've talked to him about um, spiritual development, stages of faith, and I'll I'll quickly go through these stages of faith um, and so that you can kind of understand what I'm talking about here. Uh, But these come from from a guy named Fowler, and he came up with these stages of faith. And what what he says is there's, I believe there's five, maybe six different stages of faith. Um. But you need to think about this more as um, human development uh, more than anything. So as we move along in our life, how do we develop and how do we move forward? And some of us get stuck at certain stages of development. And in those stages of development, if if you get stuck there, then you can really get stuck in things like certainty, um, rigidity, and just it can cause problems uh, with your spirituality, with your relationships. Um, there's, there's a stage one, which is you're, when you're young, you're just born, you just kind of take it all in and you don't really care. You run around and you have fun. And it's like my, my son, my seven-year-old, he just runs around, he has fun, he does his thing. You know, if I tell him to go to church, if I tell him not to go to church, he doesn't care. He just does his thing. Okay. 
That's stage one. Stage two, you start differentiating a little bit what is supposed to be true and what's not. So you kind of have your prescribed truths that are given to you and things like church and parents and those things, they, they prescribe those things for you. And you, you're like, oh, okay, I'll go along with that. So that's like, um, you know, the Easter bunny and Santa, that might not be totally reality here, but Jesus is. So we believe in Jesus. Um, we believe in this prophet. We believe in this book. We believe in like those things are what we believe. So let's believe those things. And at stage two, you just kind of take it in and you're like, oh, okay. Um, if, if you tell me that, excuse me, if you tell me that, then okay, I'll go along with that. Um, stage three, and this happens usually in adolescence, um, you start to really solidify what you believe. So I believe this thing, I'm going to like, I'm going to stay with this thing. If I'm in a religion, then it's that religion is the truth. Um, I believe that and that's what it is. And um, so much so that now I'm going to even preach it and teach it and be a part of it and worship in that way. So stage three is set. It's certainty. It's uh, pretty much one way. And um, it's interesting because right around, uh, you know, later adolescence, early 20s is when stage three can really set in. And, you know, that's right when people are going on missions and things like that, um, which can just drive home stage three, just drive it home. Yes, this is the way. This is how things are. Now, people can stay in stage three for the, their whole life. Um, I have it figured out. This thing was prescribed to me. This is what I believe. This is what I'm going with. Please don't question it. Please don't doubt it. Please don't challenge it. Um, it's uh, it's back to this quote. When knowing what you believe is the non-negotiable center of true faith, questions and critical self-examination pose a threat. That is a stage three person. Um, they The questions pose a threat, so I don't want to have discussion. Um, and stage three people can be the best people. They, they want to be obedient. They want to follow God. Their hearts can be really, really good. I'm not saying that anybody's bad who's in a stage three. Um, but what I am saying is that certainty does stifle their spiritual growth. And they get they get to this level and they stay to that level of spiritual growth because they're unwilling to be open to any form of doubt or expansion because they already have it figured out. Now, a stage four is somebody who becomes they, they start to question what they've been taught their whole life. Um and they start to become maybe a little bit angry, a little bitter, um, a little disgusted with the way they've been coerced and forced and and told what to believe. And they kind of rage against, so to speak. They they come back with, I'm ready to just burn this whole thing down and tell everybody who's believing in this religion or this way that they're wrong. 
I want to make sure that they know they're wrong. I want to argue with them and tell them how stupid and wrong they are. Um, stage fours have, I talk about this being expansion. Um, what's happening is somebody who's moving along this pathway of development is actually going through a process of grief. So if you, if you look at grief, um, you know, we can stay in some denial for a while. You know, as we get out of that denial, we start to question things. We start to look at things. You can experience some anger and some depression and those type of things. So when somebody is having this anger, or they sometimes take it back out on the people who have tried to keep them in these systems of certainty. And what happens is those people who have tried to keep them in the systems of certainty dig their heels in and say, no, no, you don't. You're just bitter and angry. And that person who's trying to break down those systems of certainty becomes more frustrated and infuriated by those systems because they're saying this is a bunch of baloney. Um, now, I do want to say, just like I said about stage three people, stage fours in many ways are courageous, um, just honest uh, people who are trying their best to figure out God. And they want to fight for truth. And so, you know, stage three, people might look at them as they're bad and they're broken and they're fallen. Uh, stage four, people might look at stage three people and say, well, you're just stupid and ignorant and you got your head in the sand. Whatever. Everybody is in their own stage of progression here. And so stage threes aren't bad. Stage fours aren't bad. We're all in just different places. And... um. And so in a marriage, I'm going to talk about that in a marriage when somebody is in a different stage than their spouse, um, what, what's really helpful to understand. But before I do, let's talk about stage five. Stage five is a person who really gets to that place of acceptance of self, um, who can acknowledge that, you know, this is my journey um, and my journey is between God and I. I don't need to justify to anybody, um, my beliefs, and um, I am comfortable and confident in who I am. Therefore, I can accept anybody who is in the process of these stages of development. A stage three can be a stage three, and I can love them. A stage four can be a stage four, and I can love them. And 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 I want them to learn and grow, and I'm no better than them at all. Um, I'm kind of beyond, um, fighting, raging against the machine. Um, I'm also kind of beyond drinking the Kool-Aid and blind faith. I'm beyond those things. And I really want to create love and acceptance and a belief that all people can grow at their own pace. Okay. So that's like a stage five person. It's interesting. If you ask people, uh, you know, I go through these stages, you ask people what they are. They're like, oh, I'm stage five. Mm -hmm. And then you get talking to them and you're, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah that sounds really stage four -y. You know, that sounds pretty stage three. But no, no, no. Every, everybody wants to be a stage five. And, and that's great. 
but this is a, a process of development. So um, don't don't should yourself into wherever you should be. Yes, we should all be in stage five. That'd be wonderful, but we're not, and that's okay. It's just fine. Um, and then stage six is like enlightenment. It's like Gandhi and Jesus and Buddha. Yeah, it's enlightenment. I I can't really speak to that because I don't know exactly what that feels like. I'm trying to get there. Um, but you kind of uh, it just exceeded all of this stuff that I've been talking about, and I I don't think many people get to stage six in their life. Maybe they they hit moments of it, but um, not many people reside there. So it's really difficult when you're in a relationship. Let's say you're a, you're stage three and you're married to a stage four. You can see how friction is going to happen. And it's really awesome when a couple can come to the table and and be really self-reflective and honest and say, this is where I'm at and I accept you with where you're at. I'm going to provide safety for you with where you're at, but I'm going to be honest with you about where I'm at. And although we might disagree, although some of the things we believe in might conflict, that's okay. I want you to believe in what you believe in and I want you to be open and honest with me about that. And I want to get to know you um, as a spiritual being in these stages of development. So I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to try to get you to see things the exact same way I do. I'm going to, I'm going to be grateful that I get to be a part of your journey too. And as you talk to me or learn things from me about what I believe, maybe that will influence you, but I'm not trying to force you. I'm not trying to get you somewhere. And when there's strong shoulds of things like I should have a partner who goes to the temple with me, I should have a partner who goes to church with me, and if I don't, then that's worth divorcing, that's sad um, because it, it, what's that, what that's showing or saying is there's not safety here for total honesty about who you are as a, a spiritually a spiritual developing human being. So if we can honor each other for everywhere that we're at, that's the way that we show love. And the thing about it is, is nobody, nobody can force somebody else to go on their spiritual journey. That happens within sight of all of us. And it's individual. And so patience, kindness, compassion, love, creating safety, all of those things are the things that open up space for those around you to actually grow. So hopefully you can have that attitude. And also you can be very open and self-reflective to yourself. Where are you at? And if I'm going to read this quote one more time. When knowing what you believe is the non-negotiable center of true faith, questions and critical self-examination pose a threat. If you hated this episode, um, then I want to ask you, are you really practicing real faith?
can you actually practice critical self-examination? Can you actually tolerate questions? Are you practicing real faith? Certainty, I believe, is a sin. I think that certainty is prideful. Because the fact of the matter is, is none of us have all the answers. And when you bring certainty certainty to the table, you shut things down. And you shut down opportunity for connection to God and self and others. All right, you guys, please uh, leave comments below. Have discussion. Tell me how much you disagree with me or how much you love what I have to say. And that's it for today. I'll see you guys.